Welcome to Egg Crash Investigation, the podcast. The show we dissect all things egg crashes. I'm your host, Jonaka Kimbale, and in this episode, we'll be discussing the famous Swiss Air Flight 111. The crew, the crash, the investigation. So without wasting any more time, let us get into it. It's 8.52 here in New York. I'm Brian Gumbel. We understand that there has been a plane crash on the uh, southern tip of Manhattan. U.S. Airways plane loses power and then makes an emergency landing on the Hudson River. The mystery of Malaysian Airlines Flight 37. One of the largest and safest passenger jets ever made simply disappears off the They're flying through, they saw flight level 100, which is 10,000 feet. I think that was a point where we went from we have some time to figure this thing out to like, we might not be able to save us ourselves. Swiss Air Flight 111 was a scheduled flight for the 2nd of September 1998, and this flight was from John F. Kennedy International Airport, New York, the United States, and its destination was Geneva Airport, Geneva, Switzerland. The airplane used was a McDonnell Douglas MD-11. The crew and passengers. The captain and pilot in control was Urs Zimmerman, who was 49 years old at the time of the crash. In total, Captain Zimmerman had 10,800 flight hours with 900 hours on the MD-11. The first officer was Stefan Lowe, who was 36 years old at the time of the crash. First officer Lowe had 4,800 total flight hours with 230 hours on the McDonnell Douglas MD-11. There were 11 flight attendants and 215 passengers on board. The flight. Swiss Air Flight 111 took off from JFK International Airport at 18 past 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. 53 minutes into the flight, Swiss Air Flight 111 was cruising at 33,000 feet or 10,058,4 meters. At 10 past 10 p.m., Whilst cruising, the flight crew smelt a foreign odor in the cockpit. As a result, both the pilots started investigating within the cockpit. They both concluded that the smell was coming from the air conditioning system on the plane. Therefore, Captain Zimmerman and First Officer Lowe continued with the flight. Seconds later, both pilots started seeing actual smoke. Due to this, the pilots called a pan-pan emergency. They also decided to divert the plane to Boston. After hearing Swiss Air Flight 111's pan-pan, air traffic control suggested they divert to Halifax International Airport, Nova Scotia. The pilots accepted the suggestion at 24 minutes past 10 p.m. and decided to divert to Halifax International Airport. Whilst the pilots were preparing to land, the airplane's critical systems started failing one by one. Turns out, there was a fire spreading above the cockpit, in the ceiling, and the pilots did not know. Captain Zimmerman and First Officer Lowe declared an emergency to air traffic control and requested immediate landing. At 25 minutes past 10 p.m., after the crew of Swiss Air Flight 111 declared an emergency, the aircraft disappeared from air traffic control's radar. The air traffic controller tried to communicate with the crew of Swiss Air Flight 111, but communication was permanently lost. Five minutes after Swiss Air Flight 111 disappeared from radar, the aircraft crashed into the ocean at 345 miles per hour 
or 555 kilometers an hour or 300 knots. That is incredibly fast for an airplane. Swiss Air Flight 111 crashed 5 nautical miles southwest of Peggy's Grove, Nova Scotia, Canada. There were no survivors. The investigation. The board slash bureau that investigated the crash of Swiss Air Flight 111 was Canada's Transportation Safety Board or TSB. So the TSB's first theory was of course pilot error. However, this was quickly debunked as it was shown in reports that both pilots were well rested, therefore fatigue was not a factor in the crash. The investigators then decided to look at the cockpit voice recorder or CVR. So little backstory here, the CVR only recorded 30 minutes of the flight. Now the CVR recording was bad for the investigation because it was, and I am quoting from the final report of Swiss Air Flight 111, insufficient to provide the amount of data needed to fully analyze all of the factors that may have played a part in the occurrence or that could have led to the identification of further safety deficiencies. Also, in the 90s, when the MD-11 was certified, only a 30-minute capacity of the CVR was required on the aeroplane. So it explains why the CVR capacity on the Swiss Air aeroplane was 30 minutes. It was also revealed during the investigation that due to the fire, the aeroplane experienced an electrical failure. So, the cause of the crash as well as the contributing factors. Okay, so I hope you are ready and comfortable because this is going to be a long one. There were so many findings and causes, but I'm going to mention a few. And these few, there are a lot. So I hope you're ready. Here we go. Aircraft certification standards for material flammability were inadequate in that they allowed the use of materials that could be ignited and sustain or propagate fire. Consequently, flammable material propagated a fire that started above the ceiling on the right side of the cockpit, near the cockpit rear wall. The fire spread and intensified rapidly to the extent that it degraded aircraft systems and the cockpit environment and ultimately led to the loss of control of the aircraft. Metallized polyethylene terephthalates. That is one word that I've been struggling with when it comes to saying this. But let's continue, or MPET, type cover material on the thermal acoustic installation blankets used in the aircraft was flammable. The cover material was most likely the first material to ignite and constituted the largest portion of the combustible materials that contributed to the propagation and intensity of the fire. The type of circuit breakers, CB, used in the aircraft were similar to those in general aircraft use and were not capable of protecting against all types of wire arcing events. The fire most likely started from a wire arcing event. A segment of in-flight entertainment network or IFEN power supply unit cable exhibited a region of resolidified copper on one wire that was caused by an arcing event. This resolidified copper was determined to be located near manufacturing station 3A3 in the area where the fire most likely originated. This arc was likely associated with the fire initiation event. However, it could not be determined whether this arced wire was the lead event. 
There were no built-in smoke and fire detection and suppression devices in the area where the fire started and propagated, nor were they required by regulation. The lack of such devices delayed the identification of the existence of the fire and allowed the fire to propagate unchecked until it became uncontrollable. There was a reliance on sight and smell to detect and differentiate between odor and smoke from different potential sources. This reliance resulted in the misidentification of the initial odor and smoke as originating from an air conditioning source. There was no integrated in-flight firefighting plan in place for the accident aircraft, nor was such a plan required by regulation. Therefore, the aircraft crew did not have procedures or training directing them to aggressively attempt to locate and eliminate the source of the smoke and to expedite their preparations for a possible emergency landing. In the absence of such a firefighting plan, they concentrated on preparing the aircraft for the diversion and landing. And finally, the loss of primary flight displays and lack of outside visual references forced the pilots to be reliant on the standby instruments for at least some portion of the last minutes of the flight. In the deteriorating cockpit environment, the positioning and small size of these instruments would have made it difficult for the pilots to transition to their use and to continue to maintain the proper spatial orientation of the flight. That was a lot. Essentially, the main cause of this crash was the fire and the fire was due to some electrical fault within the aeroplane and yeah, basically what I just read, I just summed it up. In the recommendations set out by the TSB, they set it up for several safety bodies to Boeing as they actually um, make this aircraft and Swiss Air. Number one, proper thermal acoustic installation material should be put onto the MD-11 aeroplanes. Number two, CVRs that have proper recording capacity should be developed and installed onto the MD-11 aeroplanes. Number three, there should be adequate in-flight firefighting training provided to both the pilots and flight attendants. Number four, material flammability tests need to be performed on the aeroplane's wiring. Number five, the standby instrumentation needs to be improved on the aeroplanes. There are so many more recommendations on the final report, but I will not be reading them here. Um, if you are looking for the final report, I will post them somewhere and I'll let you know. But either way, thank you so much for listening. I really do hope that you enjoyed this one. I know it's a bit long, it's a bit short, I'm not really sure. But either way, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to my podcast. Don't forget to follow us on the platform that you're listening to us on. And thank you so much for listening once again and I'll catch you in the next one. Cheers. Thank you.